God, the priest of the Israelites. Thank you for your responses on Instagram. As a result, Spider-Man is not dead. Spider-Man is still alive. He's still allowed to do his Spider-Man thing. In the, Sony, in the combo Sony Marvel Universe, the rare multi-IP zone that he occupies, an autonomous reason, an oblast, if you will, of intellectual <laughs> property um, for Spider-Man's only. Yep. But he's alive. He's doing well. Thank you, Smite Me audience. You guys really pulled in for Spider-Man there. Um, does uh, our audience have a name, do you think? Smite Me Nation, but no, we could do better. Smite Me um, Nation, always, calling anything blank nation always has like a bit of a whiff of like early colbert i mean yeah at, at best you're ripping off early colbert at worst or i just feel like the only people referred to as nation at blank nation these days are like uh indigenous peoples like the you know chippewa nation and what have you and i feel like i don't want to be <laughs> claiming we're doing the same thing <laughs> um I don't know. The, the smited seems a bit like hot topic. The smoke, yeah. The smited. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We got to work on that one. Smiteys. I wanted to go to the Smited concert, but my mom won't let me. <laughs> she, won't, <laughs> she won't drive me to Concord. She <laughs> <laughs> wore a uniform for school, but I wear my Smited t shirt under it anyway. It's really crazy. I can't believe my mom won't drive me to Concord and then wait in the car while I see the Smited. <laughs> I wanted to go see Smite me. I wanted to go see Smited in Los Gatos, but she she wouldn't. Well, this is Smite Me. Yeah, you're listening to the Torah podcast. The Torah podcast that's increasingly not about the Torah. Um But we 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 keep it on point. The chosen people's it. most Dadaist Torah podcasts. But um, today we're doing a little bit of a special episode. Every special episode is special and every episode is unique. But this one is actually literally special and unique because we've never done it before. Um, we're doing a, a, a little bit of a mailbag situation where we're, we're, we're going to be answering some questions. Also, we're gonna be, we collected some responses to some prompts. We also have some just kind of fun questions to ask each other to kind of like get into each other's heads a little bit and to get into all your heads because we like hearing from you, believe it or not. We do. Um, yeah. And if we're, um, we're going to be open to do a bit more interactive stuff like this in the future, um, we would love respect and even at a certain point come to fear you. Um, if you sounded off on our Instagram a little more engaged with what we're talking about, leave us questions, comments, ideas for episodes. That's smite me podcast on Instagram. Smite me smelled just like how you think it would be spelled yeah. in podcast. Weird, you already weird know. stories about something your rabbi said and you couldn't believe it. I mean, you know, not too weird, but like. I would love to do an episode of fucking weird rabbi stories. And we could just do an entire two week special on uh, your rabbi from childhood. On <laughs> Rabbi Schreenbaum, um, as we like to say in the censored wow. version. Um, yeah, I mean, we're trying to get to the point where our Instagram, where we're like fucking selling vitamins for money. You know what I mean? We're trying to be getting yeah. big vitamins money. Uh, so yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for, you know, checking in in the Smite Me mailbag. Uh, we're excited to switch it up. Um, I've got a little juice in the news for you guys um yeah, just to, just to crack things off I um so uh i'll just let me just lay the scene 
Let me take my clothes off a little bit first. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, so it was Sunday evening, aka yesterday, from when we're recording this podcast. Lana and I, as to uh, you know, mid late twenties people do, we're watching a documentary on Hulu, um, and she turns to me and says, and I had to write this down because it was too good of a quote. Man, I have to say, this is not looking good for the Jews. Um, and it was the new documentary about Lex Wexner, who was the founder of uh, this company called The Limited Brands, which owned like Victoria's Secret, Abercrombie, like all these big mall brands. Um, and he was basically the money behind Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, they like met each other when Wexner, who is from Columbus, Ohio, was like trying to be a big mucky muck in New York and like wanted somebody to introduce him to the cool social scene and get him in with the kind of cultural and intellectual elite. Um, and Jeffrey Epstein was like an amazing con man and really good at that sort of thing. Um, and then he eventually became Wexner's financial advisor. And then he was like, oh, I'm going to have power of attorney over all your money now. Um, Wexner's plane is what became the Lolita Express that Epstein used to fly people around. Oh, so he's deep in, he's thick with it. Thick with it. Um, and the kind of crazy, the part that I thought was like, I mean, beyond just like the fact that he's like nominally some Jewish guy, like his Jewishness was kind of a driving thing in his life. Like he grew up in Columbus, Ohio, um, and like all the wasps kind of looked down on him. And so he like, really wanted to be this like fancy all-american business tycoon guy in a way that like his own family was never allowed to be in columbus in the mid 1900s and he was kind of like obsessed with ralph uh ralph lauren aka uh, ralph lifshitz a jew from the bronx who is the archetypal american wasp somehow uh even though he again jewish guy from the bronx who started out selling ties yeah and then they just like deepened this crazy relationship where they were both like donating to birthright uh they were both donating to the jewish theological seminary which like trains rabbis um they co-funded the harvard hillel which i thought was like a little moi kind of moment um and then i was reading a pretty interesting piece from um uh noah colwin a guy i feel like his work has come up every now and then on the podcast um great journalist and uh you know one of the chosen people himself um, he was talking about how both of them had this kind of idea about like Jewish continuity, um, which is like a big thing among the sort of Jewish philanthropy elite about like making sure Jews exist, their version of Jewish politics and identity exists where people like go to synagogue, marry other Jews, really like Israel. Um, and then Epstein took it to this kind of crazy new heights where he was like into eugenics and wanted to inseminate people on his ranch and like freeze his sperm and protect his dna in a jewish way it's one of those it was like i don't know if it was explicitly jewish but it was both like epstein was funding like jewish continuity efforts and then also just funding like jeffrey epstein continuity efforts wow so i don't know it's just kind of like and then we all should... their buddies were like also all Jews. So it was like Woody Allen was friends with them, Jewish, Alan Dershowitz, Jewish, all these like Wall Street guys who would hang out on the plane and the island to do this, all like all of them were Jewish. And like it's yeah, as Lana said, it's not looking good for the Jews. Wait, so how did this come up again? Was Lex Wex Lex Les Wexner fucking a 
What a prick. Was he in the news or was he just... Oh, there's a new documentary out about him um, called Victoria's Secret Angels and Demons um, and just about the company and like... Is that actually the name of the fucking... Yeah, I mean, because there was like this whole era at Victoria's Secret where they had the Victoria's Secret Angels who were their like, you know, top models and they would do a fashion show with them. Hey, what is Victoria's Secret? Like, what's her secret? That she has nipples? <laughs> the um the thing was it was it was founded by a man who uh wanted a discreet place for women and men to buy lingerie for women. Oh, the discreet place called the the lingerie store. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I mean, I I'll, guess I'll... in theory, it's a discreet name. It's just it, it's become so mainstream that now saying Victoria's Secret is like saying this. Like, do you go to go to yeah. the sexy booby store? <laughs> yeah and like but classy les wexner is like the guy who turned it into the sexy movie store gotcha um and a bunch of models were harassed and sexually assaulted and stuff and like anyway it just seems like a a guy who let his um uh inferiority complex about the wasps being mean to him and not letting his shopkeeper parents like be at the country club um he carried that chip on his shoulder the rest of his life and like uh you know led him down the wild road of bankrolling jeffrey epstein and you know donating to birthright so uh you know what he he sounds like a real knucklehead (laughs) yeah you know what it's just like make your own country clubs it's just a place to have a club sandwich and like avoid your children it doesn't between the birthright and the epstein stuff though it's like man you'd love putting young people on airplanes (laughs) (laughs) oh my god uh yeah, and there's this whole other dimension with him where, like, people have speculated that Epstein and Wexner had a relationship themselves and that that was the leverage that Epstein used over Wexner to gain access to his finances and hundreds of millions of dollars and so on. Um, Do you ever feel like those kinds of aspects of stories tend to come up, though, as a way of, like, further sensationalizing, like... Cause you yeah. it's not that it's impossible but i always feel like whenever there's like some kind of horrendous connection between people it's like a pretty common thing for it to pop up and like oh yeah and they were also gay where it was like and i i I don't know i'm always like "Eh, i don't know maybe that's just like people will kind of do whatever they can to sort of make more of a story they're comfortable out of i kind of of feel like with stuff like like that it's like these people are so like just hedonistic and nothing is off limits that like, it's just a matter of when like the hedonism like takes over the homophobia and they're like, actually the most like hedonistic thing we can do right now. The most like, like just crazy fucking ah, like boost it. Like we can do whatever the fuck we want thing is to like have gay sex. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want, I don't want to say it's not, Oh, go ahead. Oh, see, to me, it strikes me as more like, I mean, so first of all, there's no proof that they had a relationship. So the journalist in me is sort of like, until someone says that they did, or was like, I also had a relationship with Wexner, because, and I'm gay, and he's gay, like, we don't actually know. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would just add is, I think, like, to your point, Annie, I think there's a degree to which, yeah, it's almost like is a way to rationalize these people when, like, they could just have this kind of really strange psychological bond between the two of them and want a bunch of crazy things and 
like that could be it. That could that could be a strong enough bond to push them to do all these different things. And it's not a relationship, but I just think people don't really know how to process an idea like that, that there are people who are just like in these strange, like like manipulative relationships with each other that they use to like do horrible things. And it's not romantic. Like and it's like it's almost like barely sexual too. It's like the, the power is really the, like the main aspect of what's happening. Yeah. There are plenty of ways to get off that do not involve being in a relationship, such as money, power, influence. <laughs> the whole thing about how he like was so scorned by like feeling judged by these waspy neighbors and that he could never be like the American dream. Cause he was just this little Jew boy. So then he like goes and like, j- does whatever evil crazy shit to get to the top and then but in his head that somehow is he's like doing it for the jews i don't know i just feel like there's so much of that where just like anyone who's from a marginalized identity but then like enters some like some field that is quite the ethics of which are questionable whether it's like government or finance or like mm-hmm. just any eth- ethically questionable field and then any success they have in that field like is is there they want you to see it as like a success for the whole marginalized yeah. group even though you're just you're just like helping the same systems that further marginalized people i don't know totally no i no, see what I, you mean I, and i, I think yeah. a good a good point that the the piece from noah makes uh, it's called the if you wanted anyone to read it it's in jewish currents it's called the uh, the right kind of jewish continuity um is that like the jewish philanthropic elite is like full of people like that and because they have so much money they've been able to steer the direction of jewish institutions in a direction that is not necessarily representative of what like the jewish masses actually want it's just like you have a bunch of like rich ambitious like freaks basically who have the money and the influence to capture these institutions and then they're the they're the voices that get heard not just like what like most the average person on the street would think that's what's so insidious about it though is that it's like if you if you accuse them of being like you don't want to play into the stereotype that Jews are like greedy and conniving, but like some of the top ones are quite greedy and quite conniving. Like maybe don't use those words. I think conniving is kind of, I think that's, it's kind of a rap on conniving and in terms of vocab word. I don't think we can really bust that one out yeah. anymore, but like, yeah, there's fucking scheming. And then it's like, I don't know. It just, that's, that's our stereotype that we're like, like any, any, group has the people who are like the rich people of that group that like have more say than they should but with jews it's just tough because our stereotype is like greedy and weird about money but then it's like well how do we point out that these people are being very weird about money <laughs> yeah and also that and even a deeper like an ancient jewish stereotype is like the weird little sexual like creep that was like a, a long-standing trope of anti-Semitism in Europe. And like, you could definitely say that about Epstein and Wexner and Dershowitz and all the Woody Allen, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but he makes such great movies, Josh. Oh my, it's, it's Gershwin and it's people walking in New York. I mean, no one could have thought of that. The city of Manhattan is a character in the movie. <laughs> He says he likes baseball. Can you believe that? 
Um, I think I have a number of thoughts. Number one, I think um, it's that's why it can be important not to to let people like that kind of like monopolize the the space of of whatever group and whatever kind of like affiliation you have, just because. For, you know, I would argue for worse, like, I mean, a lot of their views sort of have by way of them sort of uh, controlling where the money goes in like Jewish institutions. A lot of their ideas are maybe not so much the Jeffrey Epstein eugenics thing, but like kind of how Jews should interact with the rest of the world or whatever. Like those are all kind of mainstream ideas within the community now. Um, yeah. So and and like to a point that if you were the probably like just talk about how like yeah this is sort of what like the founding principles of the people who founded like the harvard hillel are for example you'll probably just get a lot of pushback just because it's like well that's like a a long-standing institution for jews and secondary education particularly ivy league education so it's like it almost would seem like even t- taking issue with that would be taking issue with like the presence of these organizations totally they like fuse into one thing when they're not the same thing yeah inherently yeah. Like they, you, you can build someone a new building, but that doesn't mean like you're the only version of Judaism that can like exist at Harvard or something. Yeah. yeah. Also, just this is what happens when you let the the dorks get control. Like <laughs> straight up, yep. like that. But he is kind of a dork. He just wants to be a fucking. <laughs> yeah. He just wants to be like a a fucking waspy kid. Uh huh. So so he decided to make a lot of people's lives terrible to do it. Like, yeah. You know they, they you gotta. You don't want to be too mean to people, but you also gotta. Yeah, you gotta yeah, you wanna, Oh, you want to fit in with the wasp? Whatever happened to bleaching your hair <laughs> instead of starting a whole a whole ring? Whatever happened to just becoming a goth kid? That's true. What? what oh, and then the last thing is he built his own. Sorry, just one perfect little detail about him is he built his own brand new like planned community in the outskirts of Columbus, Ohio, called New Albany, where he was like, "I'm going to make like perfect Americana." um wasp universe and then that's where he lived and then jeffrey epstein lived on his giant estate in the back gate house someone someone tell me he's not a dork someone tell me that is that is dork it's dork yeah Yeah. dork behavior you i buying your own enormous fucking piece of land so that you can make your own personal suburb suburb is fucking peak dork and he called it new albany which is like albany new york that's i feel like you want it to be a slightly more aspirational place than albany New New York. Why not call it <laughs> New New York York? Wait. Wex Wexnervania? Okay, that's something. <laughs> that somehow sounds like a rat mixtape. Like, I don't know. That's like someone's alter ego. Um anyway, that's my Jews in the news. Uh he's one, really one, not doing us a favor. One last Jews thing wise. about that is I can already hear the laughter of all the fucking weird waspy rich kids around him laughing at how hard he's trying to be like one of them. Totally. And they were like, he's like, the underwear salesman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. You can't you, you can't measure your, your level of success against fucking against shit like that. I don't know. Maybe that's just my own perspective as someone who sort of belongs in a lot of different groups and communities and also none of them at the same time. But like, yeah, I, <laughs> no good, man. You won't be like them and that's fine. That was, um, I think it was a uh, Cesare. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name. The uh, anti-colonial thinker guy who one of his big points was just sort of like trying to uh, 
trying to prove that you're worthy in the scheme of thinking of like the dominant in this case it was colonizers but just the oppressing group is just kind of a losing game because like you're you're validating all the things that they think even if you've proven yourself worthy of them and all the things they think about you are terrible also if you it, you're not gonna succeed because that's not the point yeah they, yeah i'm <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry I, was, I think it was france fanon actually but anyway like don't you it's a losing game trying to convince people who already hate you that you're actually good yeah take uh take take note other jews (laughs) (laughs) yeah other jews you're on notice um i have some slight jew i mean i have it's more like israel in the news um which i mean those are those are both the same and, and different um but uh, it's just – it's worth noting whenever it happens that uh, there's been some escalating – I mean I don't even know if they're escalating tensions. I think it's just violence has sort of broken out between um, Israel, and, Israel and particularly like a lot of the Palestinian like refugee villages um, and mostly kind of revolving around sort of some of the protests and some of the uh, media attention that was going on because of President Biden's visit to the old holy land – um, Did he do he anything so? noteworthy? Brandon in Bethlehem. <laughs> <laughs> he did actually go to Bethlehem. <laughs> oh, that was man. actually kind of noteworthy. Like, uh-huh. it—I do, don't think it means anything, but it's noteworthy. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I think he—I think the big one was that was kind of like, ugh, god damn it, dude. Was um, not that this is a new. We always knew this was a, his opinion. His big quote was that you don't need to be Jewish to be a Zionist, and I'm a Zionist. Um, cool, man. Yeah, which, again, he he actually said that earlier in his career with the quote that we're all familiar with here. But, um, you know, it's just, when you're the president, it, it bears repeating, I guess. Um, not much to say other than that. Um, there was some rocket fire, I think. Like, there were two, maybe, I think, maximum four rockets. It's kind of like, um, I don't know. It, it, it's not quite like the escalation from, like, last year that, that, that was before. But tensions are, are definitely very, very high. And there's been some, like, exchanges of gunfire. Um, I kind of get the sense that Biden doesn't have, like, a grand vision exactly of the Middle East. I feel like he's just kind of on. Biden doesn't have a grand vision. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think that's fair to say. I, don't, I, I mean, think, you know, crazy way like Trump had more of a vision. It's not a vision I would personally agree with, but he certainly he like had like more of a plan or at least the people around him were able to leverage Trump into having a plan. I would be shocked if you asked him that like what he wanted to accomplish by the end of his presidency. I would be shocked if he had an answer. He's a two state guy, but he's also sort of like you know but, but what does that i mean he's a two state guy in the sense that he's not a, i'm openly going to explicitly endorse ethnic cleansing this is my like, two states <laughs> gosh you got you got two states okay but there are like so many people who are like ostensibly two state solution politicians right who are just like We'll do only the bare minimum when it comes to recognizing Palestinian like autonomy. So it's kind yeah, of like, we're we're, we're like, a two state once the Palestinians give up on theirs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's man. not quite uh, like it doesn't sound like him, but I think I kind of get his spirit. I think across. you're capturing a, a yeah a, an aspect of it. He gets so like he's like. 
Any time a reporter just asks him a question, he just has the energy of like, you're really going to bust my balls? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, just answer the question, man. Yeah, or he does time. that like little grin. I'll bet you every time he gets a briefing about that region or any developments there, he just goes, who boy? And just and moves <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. Boy, it's really messy over there. All right. Yeah. Can we break for lunch? Has the Pope allowed me to do communion yet? I feel like that's probably the more pressing religious political thing on his mind. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, well, should we get into this? Uh, should we dig into the freaking mailbag? Yeah. The mailbag. Um, I don't know if this is asking too much of you, Ari, but I mean, I mean, we could always use another drop for the mailbag. Mailbag, mailbag, mailbag. I'm going to... I'll do... I'll, I'll do the most low effort drop for mailbag. Oh, yeah. It'll just be me pitched down going mailbag and maybe a cat meowing in the background. Hey, hey. that sounds great. But if you put an echo on it and some reverb, it, it come on. It's I could have I would have done so well being high on cocaine in the 70s. <laughs> you could have been a legendary uh, Steely Dan collaborator. <laughs> it's possible. Um. Okay, um, I can open up our first letter. Open it up. This yeah. one um, is coming. If, if like... I don't like this one, we're going to kill Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man back on notice. Um, this one is coming to us from Frank Meyer, uh, a friend of the show, one of the hosts of Best Adapted Podcast. Um, here's what he said. Hey, Smite Me, love the show so much. I'm thinking of converting to Judaism. Our plan is working. That's great to hear. Uh, who are the best and worst hangs you've encountered among the Torah's dramatis personae? He didn't sign it love, Frank, but I'd like to think it it was signed with love. The love was in the writing. So, I, so I, can, I, can, the, I can parse out subtext. Of the characters we've come across, who would we want to hang out with and who would we not want to hang out with? I have I had a harder time finding best hangs, and I have a long list of worst hangs. Worst hangs. God's up <laughs> oh, there, man. Oh, my first bullet point is God being the obvious choice. Yeah, I that's, mean, that's he's mean and a liability. Yeah, loose cannon. I don't know. Actually, I, I do think best hang is pretty easy. Um, uh, yeah, our guy he hasn't shown up since he fucked fucked off. But uh, I thought Jethro was fun. Oh, Jethro! I, I was most of bring um, that up. I like forgot what his whole deal was. What was? He was just a chiller, man. He was like he. He took uh, Moses in as a loving father-in-law. Um, maybe that was a mistake, but uh, yeah, he was just kind of chill. He was like, Moses, you can't do all this shit on your own, man. You got to fucking delegate. He's he's a real Biden character. You know what I mean? He's not really changing anything, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some people may, may enjoy his company. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I like the best of us. He goes like, uh, I think it's early in numbers or something. They're kind of just like, all right, we're going to go do the... Uh, the conquer the holy land thing and god's going to be on our side jethro do you want to come along and he was just like not really yeah he was like he was a no no with the heart yeah he was just like best of luck to you buddy um but uh this is not this is not my party sorry man i'm three hours into marinating a, a short rib right now and i mean that's that's kind of what i'm doing today yeah yeah <laughs> i'm busy for the next 30 years yeah <laughs> i'm reorganizing my vhs collection um this might be i don't know maybe controversial in certain circles but um i'd like to nominate the uh, people of sodom and gomorrah 
um, as good hangs in the sense that I really interpret that story. The Bible version is like two angels show up. Um, they claim that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah essentially tried to like gang rape them or something. Um, they just show up and like attack them. But it, it strikes me as more like there was an ancient city where people reveled and partied and like someone connected to the uh, creation of this legend, you know, probably just got like someone probably just like wanted to hook up with them or something. And then this feels like an elaborate, like, and everyone in this city is like an angry, crazy rapist. And they were yeah, beating yeah. down the door trying to get me. And it just feels like more like, yeah. Hey man, just like, if you don't want to be at the party, you can just right. right. Kind of a real Les like, Wexner that, kind did of someone really, wrote it. Did someone well, it's really like a mob. Like, was there really a mob or did you just go to a gay bar and someone like scratched his balls will make a guy contact with you? And you read about that on a forum, so you it made you it made you real uncomfortable. Yeah, it feels like I don't know. It just feels like they just kind of wandered into the scene they weren't that into, and then uh, accidentally got it like nuked by God. But it seems like they were kind of just like partying and doing their thing. Um, similarly, I think the Israelites who decided to uh, worship the golden calf when Moses was away for like a week, um, they were seemed like they were kind of making the best of it. Um, they were just trying to have a good time, um, and I guess in a very uh you know the hangover parts one two and three slash project x way um they died during the greatest party of their life so i don't know <laughs> yeah that's a decent way to go i mean they knew as, as much as I, I'll, I'll i love these people and i'll, I'll agree that they're probably the, the better hangs in the book i don't feel that bad for them they knew it was coming they were like, well that almost makes it better they were like fuck this <laughs> like yeah, I'd definitely nominate anyone who decides, honestly, in the truest Jewish spirit that we've seen in the Bible, who just decides to fucking heckle God. Uh -huh. Oh, and speaking of hecklers, I would add, um, there's the story at the beginning <clears throat> of uh, Exodus when uh, Moses sees an Egyptian slave master beating up a Hebrew guy. He kills the Egyptian slave master. The next day he sees two uh two hebrew guys like having a fist fight and he's like what are you guys doing like why are you fighting one of your own and they say who made you chief and ruler over us do you mean to kill me as you killed the egyptian they're like nah nah essentially um which is just awesome <laughs> it's like one of the few times in the torah that we ever yeah i think i no, i think that's fair i think worst hangs like honestly most you, you, you pick a name pick a name <laughs> yeah yeah you're you're at best you're gonna run into someone who's just kind of like a, a bad because of their circumstances, <laughs> um, but actually no most most of them are are pretty much willfully kind of evil. Genesis has a lot of bad hangs. I actually think Genesis might have some of the worst hangs overall. Like just... um, Joseph's whole family, I think, is collectively a bad hang because you got Joseph who's like, "Ooh, I have a special coat. Like I had a dream you were all bowing down to me. I don't understand why you all bully me." Um, you've got lives. Reuben, his brother, who's like, uh, let's throw him in a pit and steal his coat. Like, we probably shouldn't kill him, but maybe let's just hurl him down a hole. And then they all fucking sit down and have lunch. Um, and then you have Judah, who's like, well, this whole whole situation isn't really benefiting us. So what if we then sold him into slavery for 20 pieces of silver? Um, and then also Judah, like later in the book, um, impregnates his daughter-in-law, who pretends to be a prostitute because... Uh, she feels like that's the only way to like secure property and wealth from um, this sick old bastard. And that's all in one family. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of characters. Those I think are are mostly in like two chapters too. That that happens all pretty quick. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot going on. So there's a lot of characters that you want to be on their side in this story, but it's like I'm gonna go off on a tangent, but it kind of relates. The guy who threw shoes at George W. Bush's head, he like some someone found him on Twitter, and then they were like, "Hey, it's the guy. Like that's funny." But then they found some tweet where he was saying like that like gay people should be burned or whatever point is just because you're on someone's side like i'm sure there's a lot of characters in this story that like were on their side they got the raw end of the deal but like as soon as as soon as you start hanging out with them they're gonna just assume they can say some racist shit in front of you or like even the good ones aren't that good necessarily yeah Yeah. i wouldn't let my child hang out with any of them (laughs) i wouldn't let my son my beautiful bastard boy you're gonna come here and talk to my son <laughs> no i would not let them email my wife and i would not let them talk to my son um, um oh uh sarah she's not a great hang oh yeah she's a little bit um uh yeah well she pulls the move of um she who is sarah what is she isaac no, she's, no, she's the, first, the first. She's Abraham. Abraham's wife. Yeah. yeah, right. First so her and Abraham are having trouble conceiving, and then he's like, "Hey, Abraham, what if you?" Because they're uh, a billion years old. Yeah, they are yeah. like. Yeah, they're. <laughs> yeah, they're a billion years old. And then she's like, "What if you slept with our uh, enslaved, uh, you know, nanny Hagar?" And then that happens, and then she's like, "Wow, Hagar like suddenly seems to have autonomy and is like." getting all uppity now that uh you know she's the mother of one of the kids so i'm just gonna banish her and then they're like damn but actually we liked employing her in our house and then they send angels to go get her and bring her back bad hang right bad bad there's always bad hang. she's she's literally the there's always a friend in the friend group whose moms will call the cops on you <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep yeah yeah but then it's also again like is hagar a good hang or is it like you want to be on her side and then you hang out with her and then she like uh, I has... could imagine her being fine. She kind of just goes and fucks off and lives with her son. You don't find out later that like oh yeah, and then she got up to some real wacky shit like you know. Yeah, I mean unfortunately like to truly answer Frank's question, there were I feel like there would have to be some sense of like true character development or you know, a narrative arc over time for some of these people and like other than maybe a little bit of Moses, a little bit of Joseph, like most of these people are like not people. It's just like, here's the census. Here's how you kill an oxen. And then like one time there was this guy and he slept with his daughter and here's why you don't eat groundhogs. Like it just, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. don't you dare talk to my son groundhog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we love the question. Uh, I, I kind of do wish that there was a little bit more character development in the story. I mean, you get, you get why there's so much of a tradition that just kind of like riffing off of these stories just cause it's like, eh, I mean, otherwise what is there to really like look at? There's a lot of filling in that you need to do to make it, make it work, which does reward a certain kind of individual who's like, well, this is my spin on it. Yes. Oh, I, I actually had a question from my mother. Oh, my let's go. Mom. Mama, this was a question that she asked me a long time ago. That she was just curious if there was any in the 
So this is in a non-mailbag context. This is just this is a completely non-mail mailbag context. Yeah, sometimes your it. your questions fall into the mailbag, whether you want them to or not. Um, but uh, she was just asking if there's any particular reason that we always refer to um, God in as a male. Um, oh, like and I think us on the as, podcast or just yeah. us people? Because they because the book does it first. Yeah, sorry to get all end. defensive, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was going to say it. It really does seem like the book wants wants that to be the case. Yeah, he, he's but he now acts this is like, like a making man. me doubt myself. Like, does this? Do they actually say that in the Torah? God is boy. No, they Torah. just say he. They just say he with a capital. <laughs> no, no, no. Let him look up the answer to God is boy Torah. God is boy Torah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, according to Gender of God and Judaism, the Wikipedia page, um, he's referred to in masculine imagery and grammatical forms, but traditional Jewish philosophy does not attribute the concept of sex to God. That actually makes sense. Not not in a just like a like, oh, that's how I was written, but also just like a, this is a very patriarchal society and it would make sense for grammatical forms to, we kind of actually do this in English too, to default to male. Um, and you can kind of read into that what you want. There's a lot of languages that do that. Um, but also that like, I think more so in Judaism, like there's a very clear idea that like for for all of the weird human aspects of God, God is not a anthropomorphic like figure as much in Judaism as much as he's no, just like a, a, a power. We don't like eat his flesh and shit. No, and like God, God has fingers and frees us with outstretched hands, but also bears us on eagles' wings, and also just opens up the ground and swallows us. But like, and also, when God wants to like present Himself to the to the Israelites, He's like, "All right, Moses, go like move that rock, and then I'll be like a green light, and I'll kind of shine out." It's like He's not like showing up, like lifting weights, like doing car. I don't know. He's not. Yeah, he's not really a he. Like here, I go keying him. But. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Now that I'm looking, I'm just like taking a, a flip back through uh, Bereshit, the chapter where the universe is created. It's all just like God did this, God did that. The gender isn't ascribed. That's a good. I mean, I don't know. Do you think we should change how we refer to it? Because I guess the Torah is not especially. I mean, it's like it's implied, certainly, or at the very least, like. But also. Do women really want to claim this version of God? Like, it's not a good character. He's not humanitarian in any sort of way. Yeah, you uh, know what? I, are we going to uh, girl bossify God? I just think maybe we'll just degender God. We could degender God. I'm, I'm, I'm down to degender God. We can degender. But I, God. I mean, the reason I'm hesitant to is because. God is a man. No, not really. No, it's because that we're just there's reading dominant structures in nature and certain things are certain ways because I've heard his voice and it's a boy. No, but we're reading this dumb book where they made him a boy. So it's like, it's like, I don't know, asking how you know God is a boy. It's like asking like, how do you know Augustus Gloop from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is a boy? Like, I don't know if the guy who wrote it just said he was. So I'm going with it. I, I wonder, think, I think, did God become a man when he had a son 
that was Jesus? Was that when God like really got a gender? Yeah, it's when he became a man. That's when he stepped up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the stepdad. I'm the dad who stepped up. <laughs> Glad we got he, there. He was a fucking deadbeat before. Um, Existing in this genderless, responsibilityless. It's. I, I think it's hard to kind of say that like... I kind of get what what both of you are saying. Like it kind of from a from just a like reading the text aspect, it kind of makes sense to degender God. But also from the like, we're not really out here trying to defend or write apologetics for this text. We're just kind of reading it. And like, even if they might not have, quote unquote, originally meant it that way, like, I think you can look at the laws that are written within the book too, and kind of like be able to parse out that like, well, the fucking people writing this down were men. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Anyone yeah, with power like, in this is a man. It's all yeah. about like male property, money, passing things down. So even, so even if technically the entity they're talking about is not traditionally described as being like male or female, they're creating a, a patriarchal power structure that's based off of the single entity's authority, right? So, so ultimately, like the gender of it almost doesn't matter because it's a patriarchal society. So, whatever is in charge kind of has to be male. Yeah, I think that's a very savvy point. Which is another way to say we didn't think about it that much, mom. <laughs> God, and you still didn't take me to the smited concert. I just <laughs> no, she Come said on. take the bus. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to the concert. <laughs> um, well, good question. Yeah, yeah, that was a good. I mean, appreciate that one. Um, I got another one. Um, this is from uh, Octavia. She says, "What's up, smiters? If you had to time travel back to summer camp and teach a section of the Torah to a peak pubescent John, Josh, and Ayani." Uh, which section would they get the most out of? Peak, peak okay, number one, we're we're not the smiters. Okay, that goes up to Big Daddy up there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. To be genderless, the, yeah, we're the big daddy is genderless. The man, the daddy shaped shadow in the sky. We are the smiteys. Mm-hmm. So the question is, which Torah portion would we teach to ourselves at our? most pubescent yeah i see so this seems more less like which would we want to teach them and which would they want to be taught you know though maybe maybe this is we could also answer what what they ought to have heard you know which section would they get the most out of teach a section of the torah which section would they get the most out of honestly i really wish i know that's not the prompt but i really wish we could just teach ourselves about go, go time travel and like i want to i want to time travel and just pop into the like circle outside like on the block you know what i mean at camp where we're all sitting in our in our um our little chairs and just the three of us and we're like all right cabin time tonight we're teaching you fuckers about norman finkelstein let's go Uh, (laughs) yeah honestly yeah yeah but alas that was not the question so like show up at uh you know yom israel like israel day at camp with like a megaphone and just like dispense some basic facts about history yeah that would get us in a lot of trouble yeah (laughs) um i feel like this is not exactly what i would get the most out of but i think this would certainly uh send a shock through uh our you know that those special years of summer camp which is the portion about no masturbating (laughs) um i think we'd really that would probably have rocked our world 
Wow. There's kind of like a lot of different ways to answer this. I think one that would have been good for me at like, especially like the more tender years of, uh, of going to summer camp was just like any of the chapters were for like five pages. They were like, look, you are not allowed to fucking interact with people of other cultures. Because I think like that I had always sort of felt that tension, but like in a very weird way, it's not because it's trying to be, but Camp Newman is a little bit of an embodiment of that. Um, which is all, but like I, I don't want to say that that's what its point is. It's just kind of like if you fit within a certain mold of what this is, this is a safe place, and if you don't fit in the mold of it, it's kind of a, a an example of that. Um, and I think that would have been just good for me to to have <laughs> to have that context. Um, yeah, I don't know how much I would have liked that, but. I mean, sadly, I feel like the only like morally valuable concept I've really picked up from the Torah is like maybe Jubilee, which even that not not, not to be confused with Jubilee. <laughs> no, that's different. Not, not to be confused with Jubilong. Yeah, there are a lot of a lot of traps with no, that Jubilee set of is sounds. to be confused with Jubilong. That's kind of the whole point. Uh huh. God, you get me every here. fucking you time. You can't admit that on the air now now they have you um i freaked out so much when it said jubilee started following you yeah i was like no i don't want this kind of heat uh-huh but anyway <laughs> no you jubilee jubilee no. yeah that to me feels like the only like uh the only interesting non-capitalist egalitarian thought that i've encountered in the torah where it's sort of like that shouldn't be forever like poverty also shouldn't really exist like if the resources are there you should just kind of it sh- shouldn't define people for life and again even then there's the caveat that it's like it only applies to jews which is like oh great you don't actually want it to be full equality it's just like within a certain class and ethnic group that's great um but i don't know that i think that could have been an interesting idea to contemplate as a as a 12 year old or whatever i think also just it uh jubilee in particular kind of strikes me as it's like it's it's kind of radical to us now because of like the development of capitalism and all of that but i think really one of the things that's interesting about it that i think is actually valuable kind of no matter when you are but is like hey you have this very kind of conservative book telling you that like even under like the most perfect circumstances like unmitigated consumption and unmitigated like debt slavery like it's not even like jubilee doesn't even really put like a a good or a a moral stance on it It so much as it just says like you can't it's unsustainable yeah yeah it's just dysfunctional 50 years man you got to do a reset on that because otherwise this shit goes a fucking buklau and you know and we can't have that yeah yeah and i feel like really all of our like adult like torah talks or whatever were just like you know, can you have tattoos and be Jewish? Because <laughs> I literally, I'm sorry for anyone who, who who really enjoyed that shit, but literally the fucking dumbest shit. <laughs> People were just like asleep on the ground when that was happening. We were in a big <laughs> hall with kind of muted light, and everyone I feel like was just asleep on the ground. <laughs> yeah, just like making out with each other inside of an extra large T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, Um, Wow. Uh, What about you, old Jazzy John? Oh, well, I I put a question forth to our Instagram 
Oh, oh, um, your little, your little, I think I, cause I, I'm, I'm trying to remember when, when I was that age and a lot of the stories we've read, I I knew, you know, but one thing I did not know is that the thing about, despite me favorite about Noah being being drunk drunk and, um, his kids can't see his dick. So they like walk backwards while balancing some sort of curtain on their backs and shield the world from his dick, except for his one son who accidentally saw it. And then that is how slavery was invented. So I would, I probably would teach little 12, 13 year old John about that just to be like, I don't know. Just kind of fuck with him. I think (laughs) it's amazing that that story is essentially the reason why the, the, the Mormons didn't let black people in to the church until the 70s i mean they would have found a reason not to <laughs> oh i know but like it is also just like that story the story where he gets drunk possibly mauled by a dick like in the dick by a lion and then his sons do a, a dance number <laughs> like that's the reason yeah that's like the butterfly it's like the torah butterfly effect <laughs> it's like some weird like hearsay over many hundreds of years like turned into that yeah well thank you for the question octavia um i wish we would have really learned almost anything more than what we uh, what we did, both at camp and in our yeah, um, all the more recent study of the Torah. Les Wexners of the world hadn't been controlling our Jewish education. Maybe would have. I don't know. I actually I don't know if it would have even if like like let's say like whatever we're if if like literally the three of us were the ones in charge of Torah education at camp like i don't know <laughs> if it that would have kept me more jewish i think it would have just more accelerated a uh trajectory that was already bound to happen at some point i think well i don't know it's hard to say because like it, it how do i put this like people do i think in general if they're really serious about what they like and what they believe like they actually do benefit from interrogating those beliefs more and might feel more connected uh, you know but like the, what we got was a little bit just kind of like semi serious cheerleading for beliefs that you probably already have and not really like interrogations of them the only i did appreciate one of our really early episodes with Danny Saucedo when he was kind of like I know you guys think you're being like super critical and you're like distancing yourself from the thing, but that is like literally the Jewish tradition. It's just like mounds and mounds of criticism and criticism of the criticism and just this like infinite, this infinite dialogue basically. And like, that's a worthy way to be Jewish. And if someone had told me that, that might've saved me a bit of angst, I guess. They'd just be like, it's okay to not actually agree with it. Like they want you to engage with this stuff. It'll probably make you a better person for it, for trying to think about it. I mean, I think there's this fair case to be made that if you teach a lot of the Bible as like bad example, there's a lot of good to learn. (laughs) I just don't know if you're allowed to. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what would have happened if like the modern day us was let's let's take the time travel out of it, because then we have to worry about killing Hitler and all that. (laughs) Kissing our own grandma. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) A lot of challenges. Exactly. But let's say the three of us were just put in charge of the curriculum at camp. Like, I don't know, what would it look like? We'd probably try to, like, radicalize them and turn them into, like, little socialists and shit. You would, like, learn more about Emma Goldman than you would about fucking Theodore Herzl. Yeah, you know, yeah, I would do the whole, like, finding our heroes in history thing, but just with all the Jews who were, like, trying to make life better for people and, like, organize and stuff. 
Yeah, which I think even if got... they were like you know religion is capitalist puppet whatever, <laughs> Emma Goldman count it. I would want to pick a different. I would probably pick a different country for us to all be obsessed with, like maybe Australia or something. Australia's <laughs> <laughs> not any better. Australia. No, I, yeah. it's not better. But I just imagine camp. But instead of a bunch of Israeli, like we, they like bring in Australians, just kind of walk around. <laughs> just like Australia. let's get shit faced. All right. Yom, Yom Australia. It's Australia. Honestly, Yom Australia actually sounds kind of sick. They bring in kangaroos. Uh huh. Everyone gets their ass kicked. Yeah, you get bit by like a angry spider. Oh, the spiders! Yeah, yeah. Instead of instead of Menuha, you just sit on the porch and take pot shots at the kangaroos because they're pests over there. <laughs> yeah, just like ride ATVs around. I don't know. It sounds kind of cool. So to answer, I guess what would what would we do if we could go back to when we were campers? We would just bring a lot of tarantulas and let them loose. <laughs> Yom Australia. Um, cool. Well, those are my mailbag questions. Um, I got some, uh, I asked a question for, to the Instagram followers. Um, that, uh, Our first annual Smite Me poll. Yeah. I don't know. Annual. We could do this. We could do this as often as we want. But uh, Instagram puts no limits on us. Yeah. I just asked, um, now that Jesus is dead, who should be king slash queen of the Jews? Um, and um, let's take you through our answers. We got Megan the Stallion, which <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, I'll, yeah, if if that's what we agree on, I'll do what she says. That's fine. Um, I'm sure yeah. she has great ideas about Judaism. Probably. Um, we got Beyonce, which yeah, I don't know. Didn't Jay Z have some? Not that she's responsible for Jay Z's action, but didn't he have some weird shit to say about the Jews? Or did he just say some shit like? I'm trying to get like the Jews. Those people know how to get money, which I don't even, he probably just said something like that. Whenever, when, usually when a rapper is accused of anti-Semitism, it's some shit like that. And it's like, I don't know. A lot of them do love to get money. So <laughs> we're kind of circling back to that. But anyway. Can I, can I say the dumb, can I say the dumbest shit in the world? Yes. Do it. Juicy. <laughs> Juicy. Juicy. Okay. <laughs> As if to say, as if to say, Josh. He, I think what Ionic means is, so Jay Z is juicy. Wow, um, gorgeous. Uh, in his on his most recent album, on a song called "The Story of OJ," he had a song or a lyric where he says, "You want to know what's more important than throwing away money at a strip club? Credit. You ever wonder why Jewish people own all the property in America? This how they did it." <laughs> It is uh, funny how often anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism takes the form of people being like, yeah, like the Jews control the world, and I find that to be aspirational. <laughs> I think that's such a funny take. <laughs> there was also I. You got to remember. I feel like that Jay Z is coming out of like two thousands rap in New York, where I feel like one of the classic boasts was like, "All my lawyers Jewish," you know? Sure. Yeah. I don't know. But it's funny yeah. for that to even be a lyric. Like, how do you think all the Jews own all the pro <laughs> I just <laughs> anyway. it's also like in addition, it's the classic thing of like if you're gonna do something offensive, do it extremely well. That's I feel like like comedians who say horrible things but are still funny and kind of get away with it. Right. right. It's like <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Our, okay. Our, our, our next nomination is hell is a uh, Ron Perlman. 
Um, Who's Ron Perlman? This is some Jewish actor. He played Hellboy. My response on the Instagram was, now we know why they call him Hellboy, because it's where he'll spend eternity, unfortunately. Um, What's wrong? Think, Did I he think... do something bad? No, no just because he's, he's Jewish. Because he's Jewish. Actually, I think Ron Perlman's politics are not terrible. No, I, no, think, I think he has, he has some stuff to say. To say. Um, and I think he's like also to be like to preface that and explain that with that like he's slightly politically active too. There's a lot of uh, I don't think it's like necessarily worth to talk about like celebrities' political ideas if they're just like not at all involved in organizing or anything like that. Where it's just like Tom Cruise believes this. Where it's like, yeah, Tom Cruise is fucking insane. Like, <laughs> I believes a lot of stuff. It yeah, believes a lot of stuff. It um, doesn't really matter who he votes for. Where it's like, there's other celebrities who are like actively involved in in other shit. Where it's like, yeah, that's actually worth paying attention to a little bit more. Yeah. Um, my dear sweet girlfriend Angie nominated Lil Dicky uh, <laughs> as King of the Jews, which it's because we've been watching um, his tel- television program, Dave. Decent. It's a pretty good show. Pretty good show. But I don't think Lil Dicky, the whole show is about how he's like all neurotic and like it just can't even handle like being in show business. I don't know if he could handle being King of the Jews. Mm-hmm. Well, as we saw in the Torah with uh, Moses, it's kind of a thankless job. Moses does kind of remind me of, of Lil Dicky a little bit. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we got Larry David, an obvious answer. I mean, I think probably. Um, and then Larry David should kill Spider Man. <laughs> Larry David, I feel like before he's gone, might accidentally like hit someone with a car. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, but he'll be very charming about the whole thing, and we'll love him for it. Yeah. Um. Someone said the not Jewish white lady who plays marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, and then is, I, oh, I didn't. Is that character? I mean, that character sounds like they're supposed. The to character's be, very they, Jewish, yeah. Oh, and they chose a not a not Jew. We got a. Is Jew, this where got Jew a, face came from? We got a Jew face situation. No, I mean it's just one of many examples of Jew face. Damn. Um, but justice for Alia Shawkat is all I have to say about that. Was casting. she supposed to be Maisel? I've heard. I've heard tell. Oh my god, that would have been It would have so just been different. way better. I'm also she's like my celeb crush, but in addition I think she probably would have done and great. And she's so. Jewish, right? Mhm. Genuine 100% kosher baby. Um and then our last uh, comment said Doug Emhoff should be king of the Jews. <laughs> and my response was to say The first gentleman to king. And I said you're warm and then I included a picture of his daughter Ella Emhoff who um, crown Jewish princess of Bushwick. Are we all familiar with with Ella Emhoff, the the stepdaughter of of uh, First Lady Kamala Harris? She's like a cool fashion girl. Ella Emhoff. She's like models for a bunch of brands now. Anyway, anyway. she sells expensive sweaters that she knits. So right. she's so in a sense, she's kind of doing she's doing being a child of Washington elite. Well. I'm almost bet it's like better than her like running for Senate in Kansas or something. It's just like yeah. Yeah, she's just goofy. No, I appreciate it. Um all right. Well those are our nominations for King slash Queen of the Jews. Do we have to go based on their nominations? No, I mean we can choose whoever we want. We're 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 accountable to nobody. Hell yeah. Well. I mean I don't think we have to decide right now. I'm gonna go ahead and say I don't I don't like kings. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Nobody. Um, 
Uh, goblin mode answer. Well, we were okay. We were on the subject. <laughs> Only of... goblins. Oh, that's a little problematic, actually. <laughs> Only. <laughs> well, in a sense, no, just kidding. Uh, I would love to hear J.K. Rowling's answer to this question. She has an opinion too, which is you don't even have to ask her. <laughs> yeah, she definitely has one who she considers one of the good ones in her she, world. She would. You would watch her. She would listen to the question and go hmm, and pretend to think for five seconds before she answered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, she'd have an answer. Wait, so we were talking about Jewface a second ago. I part of our little prep today was was preparing questions to ask each other. I'm not sure how quite how much time we have, but one of my questions I wanted to ask you guys is more of a game um, called. It's a game I made up. It's called Jewface. Um, Jewface casting room, and what I'm going to need you guys to do is choose. Oh, a... sorry, my can I add one nominee for King of the Jews? Yes. Is uh, Jason Alexander? I don't know if it, I'm not sure he's Jewish. He is. He is. And in Seinfeld, he's not canonically Jewish, but he like also like is. You know, he's, but he's playing Larry David, so he's basically Jewish. Yeah, and I just feel like I feel like no one really has a problem with Jason Alexander. Seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Okay, here's my game. Okay, it's called Jewface Casting Room. The way it works is I'm going to need each of you to pick a non-Jewish actor to play a famous Jew in a biopic that will win them an Oscar. Wow. Bradley Cooper, but he has a big old schnozbit on him. Well, that's <laughs> – yes, that's the obviously the uh-huh. inspiration. Uh-huh. Um, obviously not – they could not be obviously not Jewish. They could be someone who seems maybe like they're Jewish, but then they're not. Mm-hmm. Is J- Joan Rivers, is she one of us? Oh, yeah. She was Jewish. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was another Jew-faced discussion we had. Is that like, I forget who was playing her in some movies. Some non-Jewish woman. Oh, Catherine Hahn? Catherine Hahn. Yeah. Um... What about? I, was, I, 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 I mean, I guess it depends. Did they put a big old schnoz on her too? No, a she, real howitzer. No, they, no they, there's, there's no, no prosthetics. prosthetics. <laughs> I think that's, that's really the difference. I think prosthetics. The are, more I think about it, actually, the more highly inappropriate prosthetics really are. <laughs> yeah, we come back to the subject a lot on this show, but it is wild that anyone's allowed to just. <laughs> Like they straight up went to Bradley Cooper and were like, "Look, we need to Jew you up a yeah, little bit." Yeah, let's just let's hit the let's crank the Jew dial a little bit. <laughs> That's so bad. Mm-hmm. This is, of course, because uh, we know that in the movie they will never refer to him by the name of the character he's playing. So how would you know otherwise? Mm-hmm. Here's my here's my idea for this Jew face game, which it's it's a little out of the box because it's uh, we're not sure if this Jew actually existed, but it's the Purim story. Okay, we're all familiar with the poem story. And playing Mordecai is Danny McBride. <laughs> so he's just super confrontational with Heyman. Uh-huh. It's like, hey, triangle hat fuckface. What are you trying to do to the juice? Uh-huh. Is that, in that version of that movie, do we find out later that Mordecai is not actually Jewish? He just grew up in a Jewish neighborhood and kind of like adopted the culture to fit in? Why? Why? It's possible. <laughs> I just imagine Danny McBride playing that version of him. I can see that. Yeah, it's like how it's certain, I feel like I've heard this term thrown around for like how there are like civil rights protests and then there are always a few like crazy ass white boys who are like really ready to punch the police on behalf of other people. And like maybe Danny McBride as Mordecai 
is the, the crazy, crazy ass, ass white, crazy white ass boy Gentile in this boy. scenario. Yeah. Where he's just like really ready to scrap in solidarity. Um, I'm just having trouble picking a picking a Jew who I want to see my biopic of. Yeah, I fucking hate movies, famously. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this is like not really answering your question, but um, since I was like watching this Epstein doc, I really could not help but every time I saw Jeffrey Epstein's face, I would see Thanos from the uh, Marvel Avengers movies. They have a similar looking face. Um, so maybe Thanos, Thanos as Jeffrey Epstein. Wait, I just I I thought of another casting choice for my. Uh horror movie okay in the role of esther will be aquafina oh my god <laughs> this sounds like a good movie i might like yeah, this movie. Wow. <laughs> nora from queens baby ah, i'm trying to think yeah i'm having struggle i'm struggling with like who's the jewish character whose story i want to see in the movie you know? you know okay here's my idea it would be an emma goldman biopic and it would be dakota johnson playing her um and she's just kind of like she was in 50 shades of gray she's like the daughter of some famous actress um i just feel like she's like a quintessential kind of just like normal hollywood offspring child um who really i feel like has like an impossible to escape 2022 accent like i was just over over long the shoulder she was in a, a jane austen adaptation movie and she's like, she's like fully speaking in a British accent. And I'm like, you sound like you're in Los Angeles right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I just like, can't, can't unsee the. Are there any Jews named Dakota? Um, Probably. Yeah, I bet oh, there's no. like, like some, some whose like parents went to Woodstock and like, you know. Oh, kind of took some bad lessons from it. <laughs> um, I have a Jew face. <laughs> They're honorable... just interested in other cultures. An honorable mention on the Jew face front is um, comedian James Adomian does an incredible Bernie Sanders. So, uh, oh, a Bernie biopic would be a great one. Adomian, James Adomian as Bernie Sanders. I would watch the fuck out of that. This is not a biopic, or this is not a Jew face question, but I would love to see a biopic of Bernie's time in Nicaragua. Um, just called like some pissed off Jew in the jungle or something. Um, I would definitely watch that movie. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I really, I really, I really don't know. I'm. Ah, fuck them. <laughs> the Jews or the <laughs> Hollywood? <Just> everyone. <laughs> yeah. Everyone not actively in this Zoom call and listening to this podcast. Yeah. Anyone who's not, uh, who's not one of the spiders. <laughs> yeah. Do we have any other? Actually, I think uh, I would love of- to. I would love to see a. Um, I would love to see a Japanese man play a fictionalized version of Jerry Seinfeld's life. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> It'd be I think it would be actually a pretty interesting, like, uh, surreal piece. Totally. Where, like, I know. I know a lot of people really love him and whatever, but he just is like very quintessentially like white and Jewish. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that like kind of defined a whole like. A whole generation of being white and Jewish, and I would just think it would be really funny if he were just kind of like a, a kind of skinny Japanese guy still existing and doing everything exactly the same. Like you could even have Jerry do his voiceover. So you'd have the same oh voice. God. <laughs> that, that would be disturbing. disturbing. <laughs> that would be so crazy. 
Uh, having Jerry do his own voice <laughs> with someone else playing him is like a sadistic detail. Um, I was, or it could just be like five minute episodes where it's just it's like a Seinfeld episode, except um, this the Japanese man is like presented with the same kind of problem that Jerry is usually presented with on Seinfeld, but he just like deals with it in a calm and orderly fashion and it gets solved <laughs> most of the time he's just not completely neurotic about it yeah he's just like oh i cleared up a misunderstanding now let's go to lunch i'm oh, just I'm... gonna let it go <laughs> that could be the end of every seinfeld episode um yeah uh, so i my uh my recorder is running a little low on bats here all right you want to call it I feel like when there was a long silence, then Ayani just said, fuck him. I was like, all right, I feel like we're... <laughs> That's the show, mates. I'm tired. I'm at work. The cat is fucking staring at me because it wants to get fed. I fed it already. The smited, you have to break Ayani free from from his prison right now. I'm getting paid. I'm here. I'm yeah. here by choice. Go back through our old episodes could find out where Ioni works. We're not I'm not gonna say right now, but I bet if you I bet if you really tried you could figure it out. And then show up there and just kinda root around until you find him. Yeah, they really love it when people do that. I could guarantee it. That's true. Uh, someone helps manage the building. I'm sure you love people just showing up and rooting around. Yeah, rooting around, yeah. We literally had to get a talk about the one of the artists coming up has had some death threats leveled at them. So they're like, hey, just um you know, if you don't recognize them, don't open any doors. Um, yeah. It is, I mean, again, I'm not going to say the name of the place, but it's such a, like, giant, large building. It'd be so funny for someone to just knock on the door and be like, hey, I think I love my hat in here. Do you mind if I, uh, if I look um, around for my hat? Happens all the time. <laughs> well, anyway, that was the, uh, that was the Smite Me mailbag. Uh, thank you for those of you who wrote in or asked us questions. Um, it's fun hearing what you guys are wondering about. It uh, helps us figure out what we want to talk about and just also shoot the breeze, which is are things we like to do. Um, follow us on Instagram, Smite Me Podcast. Like and subscribe on Apple. Leave us a review. Help us keep Spider-Man safe, man. You yeah, know, you know. Spider-Man's life is in your hands. Yeah, no, it's a protection racket for Spider-Man. If you yeah. <laughs> We're in the pocket shame, of big Spider-Man. Would be a shame if something happened to him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Bye. Okay. Bye bye. We love you. Nom 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 nom. A boop boop. Let's do a zoom. 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 A boop boop. Let's do a zo